You're listening to DraftKings Network. Today on the Cooler Games, it was a hot weekend in MLS. We obviously talk about Toronto, Jovinko, his brace, Orlando. Are they the same team? They've been losing over and over. And NYC shows Atlanta, those rookies of the MLS, how it's done. Speaking of Atlanta, in the second segment, we talked to Jason Longshore. If you don't know who he is, you're probably not from the South. He is the guy who's on 92.9. He's the color commentator. And plus, he does like a thousand other podcasts. He's been in the soccer community in Atlanta for a long, long time. We talked to him. And also in the third segment, Philadelphia against the Red Bulls. A hat trick from CJ Sapon? What? What? Is that real? Really also, won? also, he's bringing back some old school dances. <laughs> that and more on this episode of the Cool Again! Hey, this is Alexi Lawless. There is nobody in U.S. soccer that is more important than the Cooligans. Yeah, baby! The Cooligans! Cooligans! Uh, those are all. Those are all. Just doing that twin play at that point. Just 90 minutes of that. Every time you went to say something, I was like, oh, God, that was a lot of fun. That was more fun for me than anyone else. Uh, that's usually what happens on this uh, show anyway. Uh, <laughs> Alex was just entertaining himself for an hour. <laughs> it's fun for me. I hope other people are enjoying it. So uh, welcome uh, welcome to the cool again. Alexis, What's up? back from Atlanta. Back from Hotlanta. Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, yeah, so you were at the Laughing Skull Festival. Did you enjoy yourself? Everything I ate made me shit very big. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on in that city? That sounded like a new song you were writing. <laughs> <laughs> that city, everything I ate. I think they put laxatives in the food. What is happening? I had my own hashtag fill the bowl every time and some blood. Oh, boy. All right. Well, that's not how I wanted to start. But okay. It it's true. What's going on in that damn city? You know, most of the time I'm like concerned about like if we swear too much on the show and like, and I've gotten a bit more comfortable with it. But then I'm like, when I just heard that, I'm like, we got to censor that part. Gotta, <laughs> yeah, we got to get that out. We got to bleep that. And uh, we will not. <laughs> uh, just so, like you heard in the Alexi Lalas episode, we keep the mistakes in. Uh, how about that? Look at that. Huh? Look, look at us. Look at us. Talking to Alexi Lalas. Two dummies talking to Alexi Lalas. Uh, how, how crazy was that? And they said it would never happen. They and by they, we mean our voices in our heads. <laughs> you mean you mean our self esteem? Yeah, for sure. I mean, we we tried to set that up a couple times, and uh, he was just gracious enough to hop on uh, with yeah. us, and that was it was it, it was dope. It was and and you know I know he can be polarizing for the soccer community and then maybe in other communities which we don't need to talk about. But the one thing that I that I must say about him is when we met him at MLS Cup, he was super gracious and he followed through. And I mean, no, absolutely awesome. And he and, believes in what we're doing. And and that was the thing that just you know I mean like if we were. Uh, a loose girl, we would have been like, we, we got to give it up because that was th those compliments were just too good. Oh my god! I mean, that's our drop now, you know. Uh, and and he, you know, it's funny. He said during MLS Cup, he's like, the stuff that you guys are doing, this is going to be integral for like the future of the sport. Oh my and goodness. it's just to hear that, it's like we believe that in our own heads. You know, we believe that we're the most important thing going in MLS. <laughs> yeah, the, that's a, we approach, as soon as we started this project, we were like. 
Alexis, I, I, I told you, I said, yeah. Alexis, we're the mo- we're going to be the most important thing in American soccer in the future. So we got to do this now. And I said right back to you, are you reading my diary? Because <laughs> I believe the same thing. Uh, and to, you know, the fan support has been immense. And, and one of the things that I think you and I have always looked at, you know, is, is that little bit of validation from the industry itself. You know, we've got a lot of pushback at times, but to hear these types of folks, you know, wanting to talk to us and, and even some of the reporters that come on with us, uh, like we have another one today. Uh, a lot of stuff like that just it means so much to us because yeah, it's like we're being let in. You know what we are? We're made men. All oh right, we, we got let in to the to the you know this to, thing of ours, the, the MLS mafia, the MLS. And Alexi did say Costa Nostra. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's exactly right. So you got everybody when walking down the street, you better not make eye contact because. <laughs> <laughs> We're kind of important now. Also, your wife, she's mine now. Yeah, yeah. And also, we walk into every restaurant through the kitchen, okay? <laughs> and they bring a table just for us. That's how it works. So, uh, thank you and again. And we walk through the kitchen because that's where our cousins are working. So, we just we got to say hi. My mom is going to be angry. She's going to be really upset if we don't say hi. Uh, did, you, did you see Pablo? Yeah. She's going to get very upset. Uh, so, thank you again for listening. Uh, you know, obviously, we're the Cooligans, uh, your favorite stand-up comedians who host a soccer podcast. The Gulliest Soccer The Gulliest Soccer. I'm Christian. I'm Christian Polanco. I'm Alexis Damn Guerreros. <laughs> that's right. That's his new <laughs> middle name. Uh, I mean, it's, you know, obviously you uh, you went through a big process to change your name legally. Right. But it, it is there. Right. Well, you know, Kendrick Lamar stole some of the, uh, stole some of my heat by naming his album Damn. And I was like, come on, man. That's my middle name. It used to be Danger. Now it's Damn. Uh, so uh, what a, uh, another, uh, just a great week uh, in MLS. I did, and this was, this, this week in MLS was... What those weeks where you're like, you know what? Like we spoke to Matthew Doyle, you know, the week uh, last of week, of course. And we and and you had asked him, uh, you know, who do you think is going to win the MLS Cup? And he got very angry with you uh, about how do, we cannot make a prediction. It's only ten weeks in. Uh, there's nothing we, you know, the the, the 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 league is just not. You haven't figured it out yet, right? And this was, but I have figured it you, out, <laughs> and I was very wrong so far. I've been right and I've been wrong in these ten matches. Uh, this week, honestly, felt like one of those like. I don't know what's going on in this league. <laughs> yeah. Nothing makes sense. I have yeah. no idea. <laughs> it's any any giving Saturday or whatever day you're playing. Yeah. In, in 90 minutes, anything can happen in this league. Uh, and yeah, that it, it just very conf- Orlando losing twice. Orlando uh, losing twice. Minnesota looking incredible. Minnesota uh, 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 getting a clean sheet against Sporting <laughs> Kansas City. Yeah. Sporting Kansas City has the best defense in the damn league. Tamilia has been uh, like, uh, yeah. can't get anything past him. And they were the West leaders. They, yeah. You know, it's just uh, this is the team that should have just ripped Minnesota apart. Minnesota is now equal on points with Atlanta United yeah. after just, I mean, the, the goal differential is still bad, obviously. Yeah, for they, sure. They, they, well, I mean, they gave away, what, 38 goals in the first two <laughs> matches? If I, you know, give or take. Give or take a few here and there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, just a, just a strange. Uh, weekend, but if you also if you think about it with Minnesota, and I know we weren't going to talk about Minnesota in the first break, in the first segment, but here we are now. Yeah, uh, what they got the two defenders from Colorado, right? They got a midfield Cronin and uh, yeah, Birch, and yeah, yeah. Birch. What has happened in Colorado since those two guys have come? Colorado, <laughs> Colorado became Minnesota. <laughs> I think Heath is now managing. Yeah, it is. It is uh, the Freaky Friday of uh, yeah. MLS. Yeah, Colorado. <laughs> Y'all need to bring Birch back. <laughs> it's like, oh no, no, my bad. Like, uh, like <laughs> we was only playing. <laughs> we was only kidding. Yeah. No, man. I thought you said it was. Uh, what was it? Uh, backwards Tuesday, Reverse Tuesday. <laughs> what was it? You ever play this when you were a kid? No, I I never played. Whatever this. you say means well, the opposite. Opposite Tuesday. Opposite day. Opposite Just day. Opposite 
yeah, yeah. Was it just it's, opposite? It's then? not a specific day. I don't know. I don't know how they did things in public schools in New Jersey, but <laughs> <laughs> mostly with whips and guns. Uh, they did not like us. Uh, yeah, just opposite day can be any day. Yeah, I think that's what they thought it was. They were like, "No, nah, man, it was opposite day. Give us back. <laughs> Give back. We need birch. I uh, need you, you my birch." <laughs> okay, that was bad. Uh, <laughs> I need my birch back. Okay, <laughs> instead of bitch. All right. Anyway. All right. <laughs> I do because this. I need my baby back. Yeah, that's, that's another ribs. Ribs. Yeah. I thought that's I what you were referring to because <laughs> you love ribs. Uh, yes, I do. <laughs> but no, it, uh, it was uh, pretty wild. I I, I think um, uh, we should start with uh, the the first game of the of the round, uh, which was Toronto against Orlando, which was a weekday game. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of times, I you know, I mean, for me, you know, especially on Wednesday night, I have my comedy show that I do on Wednesday, so right. I can't really watch. Uh, any games on on Wednesday nights, right? Uh, Although they they have played them on the TV above the bar. Yeah, I, I put it on, but you know I'm too focused on you know crafting these amazing jokes, delivering that. a great product. <laughs> <laughs> we all know about you. <laughs> Can't focus on two things at once. Uh, but this, uh, you know, Toronto and Orlando. You know, obviously Toronto made it to the MLS Cup last year. Orlando has is been in first place for uh, uh, I think two weeks. Yeah, uh, they really look like a strong defensive team. Yeah, Orlando looks like a team that's headed to the MLS Cup this year. They're just very, very strong, especially at home. And this this was uh, I think going to be tough. Obviously, they they were going to be playing two games. This this is kind of tough for um, Toronto. Toronto was playing. Wednesday and I believe Saturday. Yeah, uh, which which would make more sense for them to play Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna just double check that they I'm, that is correct. They did play uh, Wednesday and and Saturday. Yeah, so that's like a very short turnaround. That's back for, to back, uh, for, especially like guys like uh, Giovinco and Altidore, the guys that really are the ones that are gonna uh, make plays for you uh, to play games that. In that short amount of time, but also guys like uh, what's his name Vasquez, the dude they got the, from uh, Barcelona. Yeah, you know, yeah, I mean, he's Vasquez. a little bit up there in age. You know, a guy like that playing two matches in six days can be tough. So, so but in just in general, I was very concerned, uh, mainly from like an MLS fantasy perspective. I'm like, how are these people going to do? Uh, but Toronto looked like, I mean, they, they looked like they had they were incredibly well rested yeah. in between both games. I don't know what the hell they did, but the Toronto against Orlando, they looked charged up. I just dropped both uh, Drake. Uh, this record, I just said back to back, and now charged up. Okay, that's not bad. And they're in Toronto. I mean, and that's I'm impressed you know, myself. You know what? Anyone listening, like just just be mindful that nobody cares. This <laughs> <laughs> is like like zero. People are like, just move along. <laughs> like we get it. We don't care. Move on. But no. Toronto, Orlando, obviously, uh, Toronto has been in very good form the last couple of weeks. Orlando has looked great. They, you know, I was just saying, I I, I think Orlando was going to be the ones that kind of make it out of the East, but they look like it for they, sure. Up, up until, <laughs> uh, up until, they met, you know, Toronto and Houston, because uh, Orlando uh, did not look good against both of them. But Toronto, Orlando, Toronto wins two to one, uh, a brace from Giovinco, uh, but I, Easily, I think what was the, the the biggest takeaway from this game was uh, Clint Irwin uh, from uh, the the keeper for yeah. for Toronto. Who, I mean, he 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 figured out how to crack uh, Kyle Laren. He stopped Laren every opportunity uh, he had. Uh, Laren obviously they got the goal from Kaká after the you know you can, at that point the ball's in the air. Laren's gonna get it, uh, headed it over to Kaká and he blasted it in. Right, but. The I, I think the the most important part of the match was uh, Irwin stop 
uh, at the 59th minute against Laren, where he Laren got that first shot. It and parried off of him behind the keeper. Behind the keeper. And then he waltzed to the ball thinking he was going to do a light tap. And <laughs> Kyle, Laren, Kyle Laren does everything in like a very relaxed very, he's a pretty manner. Ch- yeah. And this was he one of those it, times. He makes, he makes everything look easy. Right. This is one of those times where it bit him in the ass, though. Yeah. Because he did not think Erwin was just going to wrap his body around him <laughs> and find a way to get that hand out there. Yeah. That was very surprising to see. Uh, he had no sense of urgency, right? And that goal, he really believed. I, it, it's one of those things where you just you don't your peripheral vision is like not really on. At well, you're just like eh, he's not going to get up not, that fast. There's no way. Yeah, I, I got this. I'll be <laughs> <Yeah>. fine. <laughs> well, that was uh, a pretty badass of Irwin to like to to. It's just like when something is uh, so close, you're right at the finish line, right? And you know, just somebody. It's like tortoise in the hair kind of thing. Yeah, like, it reminds me of this time I was at a wedding and they were like, "Oh, there's not that much." many pieces of cake left. I'm like, everyone relax. I'm dancing. It's going to be cake. <laughs> what are you talking about? And then when I get up there, right as I'm walking up, one of those little old abuelitas <laughs> walks past me and grabs the last piece of cake. Oh. And you know what I did? It was too smooth. Now, I'm not saying I would have pushed her out of the way. I'm just saying I should have walked a little faster than her. <laughs> but you but you considered it. Oh, my God, yeah. I actually considered stealing it from her and just cutting half. I'll give her half. I'm not a monster. Okay. And she looked like she had another piece before. Oh. Uh, I think this was the second piece. I didn't get any piece, but that upset me. You know, this it's exactly the <laughs> this same thing. This is exactly, yeah. Claren felt like someone took, an old lady took his yeah. piece of cake. A little uh, damn abuelita. You know how fast they run with this cake on the line. <laughs> All of a sudden, out the out the rascal scooter. Yeah, are you concerned about Orlando? I think uh, you know after the after the weekend they had, they I think the, defensively that was always that 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 this season that's been their strength. And yeah, they just I don't know the, the, the something. Um, look, when you get beat by Jovinko, it's like you got that's it. Like, that's it yeah, it, I mean, it's going to happen. How much you going to do? Like his his both of his goals. Uh, were kind of spectacular. The first goal, he did he did the thing that I love that I'm always talking about that Darlington Nagby did a, a few weeks ago. Just the 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 cut back across to your to the near post when you're when you're kind of uh, running uh, where where it looks like you're gonna take a shot to the far post, right? And it it, it nutmeg like three people. Yeah, keeper, you know, Bendik didn't including see including Brad Guzan. I can't believe he was out there <laughs> and got nutmegged again. <laughs> he nutmegged two keepers. Yeah, uh, I don't know why why that why was, was Guzan out there. <laughs> Have you not you're been not nutmegged even, enough? You're not even signed by any <laughs> of these teams. <laughs> Come on, he just loves getting magged. <laughs> but that was uh uh he, that that goal was incredible, and then the other goal uh uh. Just whatever it was a kind of a scramble in the box, but he no he, Vasquez kind of cut it back to him, and he you know that's hooked right. it into the to the near post. Which I mean, that's why you bring a guy like Vasquez in, just great vision, you know, and these smart passes that are sort of opposite the direction of the goal, but put players in the in the right position. But here's the thing about Orlando. One of the things that surprised me is it seems like maybe you know he's just getting back from injury or whatever, but it seems like Kyle Aaron makes Kaká a better player. How many times has Kaká scored now off of, uh, you know, a yeah, parry yeah. or, you know, just rebounding a ball, which is not why Kaká's there. <laughs> but Kyle Aaron is such a force now that, you know, defenders are sort of having to, to cover him Probably, very strongly. Like double teaming. Yeah. Of. So as, you know, his shots become a bit more available from a rebound or, or parried away, there's Kaká cleaning it up. Yeah. The old poacher that we know he is. Uh, <laughs> the Lampard of yeah, exactly. Orlando City. The Chicharito <laughs> of Brazil. I got I gotta say it's um it's kind of it's impressive to watch what Kyle Aaron is doing right now. The stupid thing around his hand enough. Uh, the Vardy. 
get a stop it. The Vardy bandage. You know what I mean? Stop it. I know Vardy did it because he had gotten injured, and then he it just it was became good, like luck. good luck. It was like uh, what's the dude who played for the Patriots? Who not for the uh, for the Pistons? Who used to wear the mask? Oh, with the cornrows. Oh, uh, you know what I'm talking Hamil- about. Rip Hamilton. Rip, Rip Hamilton. Yeah. yeah, you know he uh, he was the same thing. Would keep the mask. It's annoying to me every time. Um, but okay. other uh, than that, all right. He, he Alexis doesn't like this MLS fashion show. That no, enough. <laughs> uh, it's just stupid. It's like take the thing off your hand. You're like what are you Nelly with the bandit on on the cheek? <laughs> enough. Um, so it's great to see his development. It's great to see how far he's come. Every time he scores, I'm like, well. The amount of time you're going to spend in MLS gets shortened even more. Uh, and so enjoy it while you can. I'm impressed with what Jason Christ is doing because, I mean, it started from the bottom. All right. Yeah, <laughs> I remember if you, what he did at NYCFC was nothing but stinker. You know what I mean? And everyone blamed him on the way out. It was yeah. his fault. Everyone was like, ah, it's his fault. It's his fault. Even some people were like, oh, he's a much better coach. And we, I did not think he would have the effect that he has had, especially now with the, the way sort of the season ended. Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because, uh, you know, seeing Jason Christ here and, and when I first started, you know, going to NYCFC games and seeing Jason Christ and seeing what the, 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 the personality of this team, the style, uh, I didn't, I, at the time, I don't think I knew much about how much the coach or manager made an impression on the how the actual team played okay like i I just didn't think like if if i would try to come up with a percentage i would you know i would think like oh that maybe the the manager has like 30 percent of an effect on the team but to some degree you might be right with you know superstar players you would lean on them to sort of be the on the pitch leaders you know what i mean so you're kind of right but in other sports uh it's not really the case like you know i i always felt like you know, in say in basketball, like, well, if you have LeBron on your team, you, you don't really need to be that great a coach. I mean, it, you right. have to be good and know what you're doing, clearly. But a great coach like Popovich, the teams play in his sort of demeanor. Yeah. Uh, but overall, it, it's really just about how much, uh, you know, how much of an effect does the, the does the coach have on, on the team? But I think right. in soccer, I do, I just re- very much do feel that the, the coach's identity is you know I don't know maybe the number is like sixty percent I just think it's very high yeah it is that of of whether the team succeeds or not right like someone like a Simeone I mean that that's someone who has complete control over his club and they play to his style and and so on and so forth Tata Martino which we'll talk about later as well exactly so so initially when Christ left NYCFC when when he was fired. I was like, oh, this is not really fair because yeah. in one year, that's not enough time to really do anything. Um, but over over time, and especially seeing Vieira and how quickly he was able to improve the team and make and you know make it to the playoffs, I I, I do think the, the maybe you know there there were probably a lot of issues why Christ wasn't successful in New York, right? But I think a lot of the blame does fall at his feet. That's for all. sure. Yeah, more than more than when I when he got fired, I didn't blame him that much. And but now I do think I'm like, yeah, it was those are probably a lot of issues that he did. Maybe he didn't. He had issues with the front office or whatever. I mean, he's doing a lot better now. He's doing a lot better now, and uh, and I'm sure whatever mistakes were made in NYCFC, he's corrected. Yeah, you know, coming in, he's like, by the way, guys, I want this type of control, this on and so forth. So they've been really, really fun to watch, and and again, really impressed with their support. I mean that 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 pitch at home, their new home stadium. That's a fortress. Exactly. Well, I mean, and it's, uh, you know, they, they've swapped uh, positions in the Eastern Conference. Toronto's now in first, uh, you know, which is what I thought would happen. Uh, you know, Toronto didn't look uh, great 
the first couple games. No, uh, but they, they didn't look like that MLS Cup side at all. Yeah, and 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 now uh, Jovinko and Altidore are like in in their rhythm, and I you know I, I which is huge because remember last year they really didn't play that well together. They didn't play that much together. Yeah, well injuries. Yeah, Altidore yeah. was out, uh, and the big Jovinko question was, was the big question was how would they play together in the MLS Cup final? Because that's like one of the f- like what one of like eight matches they played together last year. Mm-hmm. So this this whole them finding their groove. It's they're, huge. They're, yeah, they're doing great. And and also in the weekend game, they they were against Seattle, uh, the rematch, which was also yeah. very good. Well, and we'll talk about and that. And I saw that's the one I saw. That yeah, was great. That was a good game. So um, let's also let's go for uh, the game that we attended. Uh, yeah, NYCFC versus Atlanta. Atlanta United, which uh, a big a big big fixture. Again, we, I almost shit myself thinking about the game. <laughs> Never mind the food <laughs> I ate in Atlanta. You were thinking about the food. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the game because you know we were worried. We thought it was going to be a little bit of a route. You yeah. know, because NYCFC, sort of the weeks leading up to this, had looked a little slow defensively. Yeah, so uh, NYCFC did win three to one, but uh, I mean it, a complete it, takedown. But I mean. it it was one one. Uh, you know, in the first half. But this is a a couple takeaways for me. Uh, Miguel Almirón, watching him live, he's the truth. He's not only is it the truth. It's one of those like yo dog. What are you doing in this league? Yeah, kind yeah. Of, like, homie, <laughs> you you're much better than everybody here. Yeah, like, uh, just I we know he's very young, but holy crap, just so much talent. You can't get the ball away from him. No. He's he's just uh, just a uh, 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 just almost magical on the ball. Like just uh, the ball stuck to his feet. He knows he he he's two steps ahead of you. Uh, he's not particularly the fastest guy, but he he will he just knows where to position the ball. Where you will not be able to get it, right? Uh, and but but to NYCFC's credit, they did kind of shut him down. They didn't really let him. They, they yeah, they couldn't stop him, but they prevented him uh, making any spectacular passes to any of the other players in Atlanta. Yeah, and I, you know the the Atlanta style is to sort of crowd around the ball once you once you lose possession, and NYCFC was like, we're going to crowd around Amidon. As soon as we lose possession. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a chippy game. It was a real chippy oh, game. Doubt, yeah. And uh, it was one of those things where I'm like, someone's getting a yellow or two yellows and a red. Something's happening here. And, uh, you know, the officiating wasn't great. No. It was not great, but it wasn't It wasn't, wasn't the terrible. worst either. Yeah. No, it wasn't terrible. But there were certainly a couple of missed calls on both sides. Um, but one of the things that I loved about it is it, the attitude of NYCFC. As much as I love Pirlo, and it's weird for us to to sit here and think that maybe the club is better off without him, but you know, having and we're we're gonna see him back because Young Hell Herrera, who's taken his position, will be going with um uh, Panama, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, Venezuela, Venezuela, the Venezuelan right. national team. Oh, uh, you know, what? I got to double check. I don't know. It might. It, I think it's Venezuela. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, for some reason, I thought it was Panama, uh, but. A guy like him, who I did not expect anything out of. I wasn't even sure why we got him. Yeah. It is Venezuela. Yeah. All right. Uh, don't even know why. We, maybe Camargo, I think, might be. Uh, whatever. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. Uh, the, play, the, the, the club plays so differently with, with someone like him in there and Ring able to sort of clean up behind the, the, the back four. I, they almost, if it wasn't for that wonder strike, I don't think they would have given up a goal. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that, that was a... Um, uh, the, the goal came from... Just a, I, it was a bad pass that went. It was like of, a deflection. No, no, no. But the, the initially it was a bad pass. I, I think from uh, from Collins to I forgot. It, was just, it just went out of bounds, and they and they kept their uh, kept the ball in their third. Mm-hmm. And as soon as that happened, I'm like, they're gonna give they're gonna give up a goal. Just yeah. Something's gonna happen because uh, the, all, all those mistakes always lead to to a goal. But and but the goal from Carmona. 
yeah, a throw in, deflection, karma, a, a great shot. I I, mean, uh, yeah. Nine it, times out of ten, that thing is hitting a couple birds. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, just incredible that uh, that he made that. Uh, and, and that was a little deflating in Yankee Stadium because they, the, the NYCFC played so well. Uh, that, the goal by David Villa... Up, up for goal of the week. Another just, I feel, I feel like every, at least every two weeks, he just does something where you're like, damn, dude. Just. Has any has <laughs> any DP come in and played with the passion and heart yeah. and determination that he does? That dude does not stop running. There's something about watching him live that you almost take for granted the way he plays. Dude, he does not give up. He didn't want to come off the pitch. Yeah, yeah. He got subbed out, I think, in like the 91st minute. And <laughs> he was like, like, what are you guys doing? There you. <laughs> Dude, you're 30-something years old. I, I'm tired. I'm standing up for that match. I was exhausted. It was raining. My but, head was down. Uh, Yeah, but that goal was uh just beautiful. Just another... Ba- Look, every week, it's some back heel something with yeah. NYCFC. It go- watching it, being a fan, watching it, sometimes you're like, all right, guys, enough. And up with the back, just a yeah, couple. You're showboating, baby. <laughs> just a couple. All right, it's, it's a show. The Showtime Lakers over yeah, here every, yeah, every week. Yeah. Um, but again, another just. Uh, it, it almost seems like it, it is. It's becoming a thing that the defenders have to be mindful of. Like, yeah, for they, sure, they, should, they have to prevent the back heel almost before like a, a regular uh, through pass, <laughs> yeah. you know? He's not going to turn and pass. He's going to back heel. Uh, and Rodney Wallace, uh, just a great back heel. And Another player that's just, dude, leaving it all on the pitch. <laughs> Villa uh, running through, uh, controlling the ball. Maxi Morales. And, and yeah, he was great too. But but the v, that Villa goal, uh, just off, you know, off the post uh, and in just, yeah. uh, we were making jokes. That was, that was a, that was a Tim Duncan bank shot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He called glass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, yeah. Very, very impressive. Uh, you know, obviously, you know, we can talk about Villa all day, but I mean, it's just, you know, he, he was out the week prior. He, he called out sick. He was like, he was like, <laughs> Patrick, I'm yeah. sorry. sorry I, just I definitely don't have tickets to a concert. <laughs> I'm I'm definitely not going to Disneyland. Yeah. I promise. And as much as I like Ocoli, you know, clearly needs to be learning because David Villa, man, you know, he's got the legs of like a twenty-something-year-old and the, the heart of a twenty-something-year-old. Yeah. It's just, it's amazing to watch what that little bit of skill and and you know, he's not doing anything that's like completely out of this world. One, you know, he's not like all of a sudden pulling out some crazy techers. You know what I mean? Yeah. What he's doing is he's making smart. So he's running all the way into the midfield to get the ball and he's putting people in positions. It, it reminds me a little bit when Terry Henry uh, played for um, Red Bull, he would have to go in the middle of the park just to get possession. And the, the team was very different than the way they play now. Sure. And he, you could see how he was frustrated back in those days. You know, when, when David Villa comes in a little bit to grab the ball, comes up, all of a sudden other players fill in those positions. It's, it's such a seamless, smooth um, sort of game. And, just to see the way Rodney Wallace and Jack Harrison are playing. I mean, that's a, that's yeah, a, it's a great front three. They, yeah, they. I mean, this was. I think this was uh, easily NYCFC's best looking game. I mean, they 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 most all, complete from across all positions they all for sure. To play very very well. Ethan White. I mean, at one point all the way up, and he was almost got a nosebleed. He was so far up. <laughs> uh, but you know, all those little things. You're seeing complete matches across everyone, and and this is. I think this is sort of imparting back to what you were talking about. You know, the style of the style of just even playing that Patrick Vieira wants. You yeah. know, he doesn't he wants you to never give up and he wants that heart. I was a little disappointed with uh Atlanta United just fr- from uh, I expected a little bit more offense and I and I think NYCFC uh stifled Kenwin Jones. I think they they focused uh a lot on it seemed like they weren't that threatened by Villalba and uh and and, and focused on 
uh, on Kenwin Jones not beating them the way Kyle Aaron did when they exactly. played Orlando. And you know that's the thing about Kenwin Jones. Kenwin Jones was getting up there. He had he had opportunities, and it's kind of yeah. scary because he's one of those guys that you know just rises above everyone else. Easily, yeah, he's a monster. But I think what they realize is if we're going to get beat by Kenwin Jones, that's fine. Let's take everyone else out. Yeah. And with Almiron not playing in the right position and Assad not being there and Joseph Martinez not being there, we didn't get to see the real Atlanta. I you agree. know what I mean? I we we kind of lucked out in a little, a little bit. Well, NYCFC plays against Atlanta in about three weeks. Uh, so you would assume at, Joseph at Martinez is back. is back. Yeah, so I think it's going to be, you know, just a different match overall. And, and uh, I, yeah, Atlanta's going to have that firepower that they didn't have at Yankee Stadium. I'll, you know, there's a, there's a new channel, Atlanta, uh, Atlanta United Fan TV. Fan TV. That's right. Uh, so they're doing great work, but I've been watching. Was watching some of those videos, and a lot of people are like, uh, uh, "The Yankee Stadium, the field is garbage. The field was garbage." Well, we agree because we want a stadium. We want our own stadium. <laughs> that would be very nice. That's all we have. <laughs> we'll, we'll send that to our our, our congressman so that yeah, they can. Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> look, even the people in Atlanta are complaining about at it. New York Congressman at hotmail.co.uk. <laughs> but no, the uh, I think the big issue was um, it was raining. I mean, I think a lot of people watching the game yeah. didn't realize that it was it, it was like a slight drizzle. It literally stopped raining. At the final whistle. <laughs> yeah, the whistle stopped and all of a sudden it was just like a rainbow. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. birds were flying around. <laughs> it was, um, it was, it was, it was wet and it was, it's a short pitch. It's a very short pitch, Yeah, which I don't think that leans the way that Atlanta wants to play. We're going to talk to uh, Jason in a bit, but yeah. you know, maybe he could talk to us about it a little bit. But um, if you don't know who he is, he's a, he's a reporter for Atlanta, but um, or the color commentator, commentator. for the Atlanta unit, but you you don't play that style in the size pitch we have. You know, there's a reason why Tottenham, who has a similar size pitch to us uh, for a little bit longer at White Hart Lane, is roughly the same size. Mm-hmm. Um, they they play a similar style, but they're much more possession-based because they kind of have to move the ball around until they find those openings. And on such a tight pitch, you don't get those openings as freely as they have had at Bobby Dodd. Yeah, just in general, I, I, I like seeing... Uh, there was a... Um you know, I, I was uh, in like the, NY, the NYCFC um, like Facebook group and a lot of people were talking about uh, the the graciousness and how cool a lot of the Atlanta United fans were. Uh, so that's, that was just a good thing, you know, because a lot of times away fans come here and uh, there's always like a thing or just somebody got mad at somebody. But yeah. no, uh, the, uh, the United fans were hanging out at, even at some of the bars uh, outside of Yankee Stadium and everybody had nothing but good things to say. So uh, bravo. Yeah, uh, applaud Atlanta United again. We're we're fans of the team. We want them to do well, but when they when they play against NYCFC, obviously we don't want them. Uh, we want you to lose and lose bad, and thank you for doing so. <laughs> so, but a good game, and I'm excited about the next the next match in a couple weeks. I think yeah, it's going to be, gonna be uh, even better. Uh, so let's we got to go to our uh, next segment because uh, we, we we're going to talk about Atlanta gonna, with someone who knows more than us. Yeah, we're going to talk about a lot a lot of uh, Atlanta, a lot of uh, the, the soccer in the South. Because uh, I'm impressed, I I did not expect the fan base to have the, for them to have the fan base they have now. Exactly. So we'll yeah we're talking to Jason Longshore. Uh, he's he, been there since day one. He's a day one. He's a day one in in the ATL. Uh, yeah, he's he's he was doing the thunderclap on right. our interview for sure. He was <laughs> you know used to be a member of Goody Mob. He's been there for the longest. <laughs> no, I mean, right. he's been there for so long. Uh, but it's a but well we're gonna have a great chat. So uh, we'll uh, we'll get to that interview right after this, guys. 
Hey, everybody, thank you so much for listening to that first segment. We've got some nice news. We've got a new sponsor. Yeah, we do. It's yeah. exciting. We're, this is a big one, too. Yeah, we're excited to be working with these guys. Uh, we absolutely love this publication. We read Howler. We've done a video. The Pierlo Taste Test was uh, Howler's creation, and we did a video for it. We absolutely love Howler. If you don't know what Howler is, it's a, it's part magazine, part art project, really. And they really do a deep dive into the soccer uh, world. They cover stories that no one else covers. It's absolutely incredible, and it's all based in America. It's an American soccer magazine. Magazine, and it is the most beautiful American soccer magazine. Exactly. It is a, it, it's a, a physical magazine. It is not just an online. They do online publications. And Great stuff like online that. stuff. Great online work. But it, it's every every uh, every magazine that they put out, it, they feel like a collector's item. So Absolutely. They're a cool thing to just have. Uh, uh, I mean, you can always look through them. I mean, they, they, it's like having a, a, almost like a. Uh, a snapshot in history of soccer every right. time you have every time you have a physical copy of that magazine it's almost like a quarterly table like coffee table a book very it's, much so, yeah, yeah really cool so if you guys go to shop.howlermagazine.com that's shop.h-o-w-l-e-r-m-a-g-a-z-i-n-e.com you can get yourself the magazine and if you use Cooligans as your promo code you're going to get 20% off exactly so do that you will be supporting the show you'll be getting a great uh, uh, soccer magazine and uh, just a, a piece of yeah, like like Alexis was saying, a piece of art uh, on your coffee table. Uh, you know, every couple of months, it's a great uh, it's a great magazine. We love it. Uh, and if you want to help out the Cooligans, you want to help out Howler, subscribe to Howler Magazine. Uh, right. you're, you're gonna you're not gonna regret it. Absolutely. So just go to shop.howlermagazine.com. Again, that's shop.howlermagazine.com. Use the word Cooligans, C O O L I G A N S, and you're gonna get yourself twenty percent off, and you're gonna be helping us out, which would be awesome. Hey everybody! All right, guys, yeah. we're back, and uh, it's it's already look. We we look. We were at Yankee Stadium over the weekend. Oh, we were there. We were there for, for and this was a big. This was a very highly anticipated match, uh, NYCFC against Atlanta United. I did not think it was going to go this way. I did not. Think I wanted it in my heart to go this way, but <laughs> I did not think it was going to go this honestly, way. Honestly, look, uh, we we had a uh, we have a lot of people from Atlanta listening. Uh, you know, Footy Mob, shout out. Terminus, Shout out, Footy Mob, Terminus Legion, you guys, uh, great people. But Jay when it, but, but but when the when the matches uh, between our between our teams happen, we're, we're not friends anymore. Nah, son, we enemies for ninety minutes. <laughs> <laughs> we're rival gangs. We're Bloods and Crips. Uh, so I'm very excited. And it works because blue and red. Wow, never mind. <laughs> Look at that. I don't know. I was cripping fool. <laughs> But we, we want to talk more about Atlanta. We want to talk to someone who knows more about it than us. Exactly, because we are fans of the team. Right. And and just everything that's been happening there from, from Boca Negra and everything he's doing down, down to Tata Martino, we're really, really impressed, even all the way down to how many people file into the Bobby Dodd Stadium uh, for these matches. And who better to talk to than someone who's been involved in soccer in Atlanta for longer than we even knew they even played soccer down there. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, unless you're driving, put your hands together right now for Jason Longshore, everybody. What's up, y'all? There, there he is. He exists. <laughs> hey, uh, I'm here. Yeah, Jason, thanks so much, man. Yeah, so if people don't know uh, who you might be, obviously, uh, uh, you know, you cover, uh, you know, soccer in the South for a long time, but you're also the the color commentator uh, for the for local radio at uh, 929, right? 92.9 yeah, The Game. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. I'm the color commentator there with Adam Schick. We covered you know, the Atlanta United broadcast. I also do a daily show over at Blog Talk Radio called soccer down here where we cover Atlanta United 
but also the growth of soccer all over the South, like all the way up to Virginia, out to Louisiana and Arkansas, and it's booming everywhere right now. I got to admit, so I'm, I'm, I've not been around Southern accents all that often, and you probably don't think you have one. You do. Uh, <laughs> but when I, was, when I was down in Atlanta, I was talking to some people about soccer, and it's still, that accent still sounds like you're being condescending and making fun of it. I don't know why. <laughs> I guess we haven't been around it. Is soccer popular in the South? We, we kind of have this idea up here that it's really just sort of like your larger cities and maybe your immigrant communities that are sort of lo- love soccer. But is the South really that into soccer? Yeah, the South is is blowing up with soccer right now. And and that's the first time anybody's ever told me I had a heavy Southern accent. Usually people ask where I'm from because they don't believe I'm actually from Atlanta. I'm one of the the rare born and raised in the Atlanta area people that you'll meet. There's not many of us. No, you guys are unicorns. Everyone I talk to, every <laughs> every Uber and Lyft driver down there is like, no, I'm from Alabama. No, I'm from Florida. No one is from Atlanta. You, you guys are few and far between. Yeah, when I go to stuff, I'm like, I'm from Atlanta. They're like, no, where are you really from? I'm like, I'm really from Atlanta. That's where I'm from. <laughs> Say y'all. It happens. You know, it's <laughs> you know grits no, soccer, and stuff. Soccer's blowing up in the South, y'all. I mean, seriously, Asheville City, Asheville, North Carolina, drew over 2,000 people to their first NPSL game over the weekend. You've got Chattanooga drawing thousands of people to NPSL games. You've got a team in Statesboro, Georgia, down in South Georgia, drawing over a thousand people to PDL games and they're looking at going pro in the new USL D3. It's blowing up everywhere and you wouldn't know it if you're not down here really because sure. all the focus is Atlanta United and that helps everybody else. And that's what Atlanta United has really realized is that by having such a strong team and putting such a strong product out there and investing in it like they have, it's only going to trickle down and it's only going to help. They went up to Chattanooga to play them in preseason and drew 12,000 people to Finley Stadium in Chattanooga for a preseason game. That is a huge help to Chattanooga FC as they're building their club. So just out of curiosity, how in the hell did this happen in Atlanta? Where this, I mean, no one, I mean, I don't want to say no one. We did not expect for 50,000 plus regularly to show up to Atlanta United games. And you know why? Because we've seen the Falcons barely be able to draw at times. We've seen the what is it? The Predators. We've seen the Hawks can't get anyone in the stadium. It seems like Atlanta is a relatively fickle sort of sports fandom city. But all of a sudden, Atlanta United just jam and packed, <laughs> you know, a huge college football stadium. How? So there's two sides to it. The soccer scene in Atlanta has been growing steadily over time. And it's kind of been the sleeping giant. So, but I why what do you happened. know? Do you know what caused that? Because I know the Silverbacks had some support, but uh, you can't even you can't even base it off the Silverbacks because they were poorly run as a professional team. So there were soccer people who would not go out to see the Silverbacks because the marketing was poor, the product was poor. That's the biggest thing here is it's been evident from day one when this team was announced that it was going to be done the right way, and every move has been you know. Perfect since then with bringing in Bocanegra, bringing in Darren Eels, bringing in Tata Martino, signing exciting young players. And they play a style that, that draws people in. It's fun to watch. All that has just built and built and built to where we have it now that people are hooked a little bit quicker than I thought they would be. I thought this would happen, but I thought it'd take some games to take some time. But people are emotionally invested in this. And that's the hardest trick for MLS is to get people where they live and die with it. What's most impressive to me is 
the 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 strategy that the team used to 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 build to to build the team itself, which is obviously focus on focusing on younger talent uh, and bringing in like uh, you know just uh, veterans. Uh, from the MLS and, and creative playmakers, which is huge. But what's interesting is like you know when when we were here when NYCFC began and uh, and the focus was get who cares how old they are. We don't even care if they're in a wheelchair. If they're a legendary <laughs> player, they will be on that pitch. Uh, and Atlanta has not done that yet. There, you you still see that emotional investment, which is quite impressive. That's the thing about this fan base is Darren Eels and the club learned early on that they didn't have to go sign, you know, Steven Gerrard or Frank Lampard or whoever it would be that older player who can't contribute as much as they used to, but they can sell some shirts. Atlanta didn't have to go that route. So they built their team a different way. They said they were going to build an exciting team. They were going to sign young players and the shirts are selling anyway. The tickets are selling anyway. People are hooked without those big names. And what's happening is Miguel Almiron and Tito Vichalba and the players who are in those shirts now are becoming big names in Atlanta. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you know, the, the big talk was, uh, you know, Miguel Almiron, he was supposed to go to Arsenal and he was being looked at at Arsenal and he chose to go play in Atlanta, which, you know, you say that I'm an Arsenal fan, so I know how that feels right now, but you know, you say that and it surprises people, but I think you guys did sign someone who was, a little bit older and a huge name, but you chose to sign a coach. <laughs> that was that. And that's, he, that's, that's he, the first time I think that's happened in MLS. Yeah. You have a superstar coach. Ta- Tata Martino is the DP slot. Yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. And you have a DP coach. Got, yeah. <laughs> he's the one who got Almiron. He's the one who got Joseph Martinez and Carlos Carmona and Leandro Gonzalez Perez is a player that, you know, nobody really knew coming into this league. And, and he's one of the best center backs in the league. Now, you know, those guys came to play for Tata Martino because they know that the quality is going to be good, but they also know the younger guys, he's going to help them get better to move on to even bigger clubs down the road. And that's where Atlanta United has positioned itself. They didn't just go get a foreign coach to get a foreign coach. They went and got a guy who's a teacher. And that was the big difference. And what do you think he's, what, all right, is he going to help soccer in America? Because I mean, what the biggest rub against NYCFC for for us who are fans of that, and for Atlanta United is that it, there's not that many Americans. And I know Brad Guzan is coming in. I know you have Garza um, and uh, Parkhurst, if I'm not mistaken. But you know, what is it? Is it is bringing him in? How is that helping American soccer? Where it's going to help is is down the road because Tata Martino is a player who likes to develop young talent. And the staff he brought in is a lot of guys who developed young talent at Newell's Old Boys in Argentina. So look at this past USU 17 roster. You had Andrew Carlton, Chris Goslin, both first team homegrown signings for Atlanta United and Zion Jones, who's in the academy on his way up. Just a little bit ago today, Lagos Kunga was announced to the USU 20 World Cup roster. He's another Atlanta United Academy guy. That next wave of young American talent is coming, and a lot of it's going to come through Atlanta. And, you know, they play an exciting style, so I, I assume he's bringing that sort of heavy-pressing Marco Bielsa style all the way through uh, to uh, the Academy. Is that correct? Yeah, that's what you're starting to see is that now, you know, he came in and focus has been the first team, and that's that's been what he's been trying to build here. And, I mean, you saw it a little bit on Sunday at Yankee stadium right now, you don't have all of the top players for Atlanta United with Martinez out with Yamil Assad suspended, but they're still trying to play that style. They're trying to implement it. Now that's starting to take hold in the Academy as well. So guys like Kunga, 
you know, and Zion Jones, and there's so many more coming through that have been called up to youth national teams. They're going to benefit from that. And when they get to step into a first team training session, it's not going to feel too different to them. So uh, I'm curious about just sort of what the team is looking like, especially without Joseph Martinez there, Uh, you know, getting to see. Uh, it was the first time I got to see Amidon live. First time I got to see Kenwin Jones live. And every time there was a cross, I'm like, please, Kenwin, please don't, please don't do this to us. <laughs> yeah. That dude's got ups. <laughs> it's, it's incredible. But I, I do think that with Kenwin Jones as maybe the the, the sole striker, uh, the team seems a little um, uh, inhibited. I mean, I, the, the, the difference between Joseph Martinez and Kenwin Jones seems to be very. Uh, large, right? Uh, and, I, and I'm not just talking about the size between the players. Uh, <laughs> I mean, with uh, it, it seems the ability of the team, as far as uh, when it comes to speed, uh, uh, you know, that that counterattacking ability, the team almost seems to have to play differently almost at all all eleven spots when those two players are uh, when each of those players, you know, which, depending on which one is playing. Yeah, it's it's different. That's been the challenge here lately because. Go back to when Joseph Martinez first got hurt with Venezuela. Tata Martino put Tito Vishalba up top, moved him over from the right wing, put him up top. He's even faster than Martinez, a little bit smaller, but faster. Scored two goals in Toronto, led Atlanta to that draw, did really well on that first four-game road trip. But then when injuries and other things have happened on the wing, so Jacob Peterson is one of Atlanta's depth pieces. You know, winger has been in the league for a long time. He's been out injured for quite a while. Andrew Carlton was starting to make the 18s. Now he went away to the USU 17s. You didn't have any depth on the wing. So you had to play Vishalba on the right wing. This game, you had Yamil Assad suspended on the left wing. So you had to move Almiron out wide. And you don't really have a choice but to play Jones. And the team tries to adapt. And Jones brings a whole different element. We've seen him score goals in the air. We know what he can do there. But this team is built to play fast and fluid and through balls on, you know, forwards and wingers running through. Jones isn't really, you know, in that style. So the team's been a little bit in flux these past couple weeks. I'm surprised you couldn't. And I mean, not that I know more about the game than Tata Martino, but, you know, Kenwin Jones is a pretty, I mean, by the book, kind of a target, you know, center forward. You know, why couldn't you just play Almiron behind him and go more central and allow, you know, sort of Kenwin Jones to, you know, play almost like the Giroux style where he sort of bounces the ball back uh, to the mids and then curls and just makes a run towards the uh, towards the goal. See, I've expected more of that, you know, not as the primary identity with Jones, but at least seeing more of it. But Tata Martino has been very specific in saying, you know, we have a style of play and we're going to play our style and their style is to play a press and to have everybody step up and to look for these through balls. It was really hard at Yankee Stadium because of the personnel, but also because of the size of the field and what New York City did. It's tiny. You saw, yeah, it's, it's tough and it's tough for a team that wants to spread it out. But Patrick Vieira adjusted to what Atlanta was bringing at them and you saw NYC did not hold the ball in the back as much as they typically do. They played more direct because they didn't want to invite that press. Right. Worked out. It was a smart move by Vieira. And we needed to do that because you guys attack like a horde of uh, angry bees. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it's, it's, but I got to admit, having finally seen it live, and I wish I would have seen you, know, you guys at full strength, because one of the things that we've been commenting on is how exciting it is to watch. 
the other part that's exciting is just seeing the stadium full. How's that been for you, having come from a point where maybe not that many people cared? Again, we never even heard of the Atlanta Ruckus, which was something that you guys, that you were a part of, to where it is now. How does that feel, and do you think it can get bigger? Do you think it will take a step back once it gets to Mercedes? I don't think it'll take a step back. I think the biggest challenge for Atlanta United is to remain competitive. And, and you talked about Atlanta sports history a little bit, which you know, is, is somewhat unfair in some ways because you have to look at the quality of those teams. And when the Falcons are good, the Falcons are buzzing in this town. Yeah, you saw but it this year in a run to the Super Bowl. First of all, great, great choice of word with buzzing and Falcon. But uh, <laughs> I will say, though, that, you know, the Knicks have historically been a terrible franchise and we sell out every game. So from up here, we but look here's at the difference. Yeah, here's the difference. The Knicks have been around for how long? God, since since the 60s. Yeah, like the later. late 60s. Or, yeah, about, yeah. Yeah. Uh, even longer than that. Longer, I yeah. Yeah, I think yeah, the first yeah. match was actually uh, the Knicks versus the, the Huskies. I think it was like the first basketball game. Yeah, we're going way, way back. So generation after generation after generation. Has seen them fail. <laughs> right? But they've grown up with it. And True. in Atlanta, you have pro sports here since 1966 with the Falcons and the Braves and the Hawks in 68. And you have a lot of transplants. So Atlanta has that double whammy against them without generations of support. The generations of support is with Georgia football and SEC football and Georgia Tech and college football that's been around here since the 1890s. So that's where, you know, I was born a Georgia fan. That was just that's how it goes around here because my family was Georgia fans. So it's the same way there with you with the Knicks or the Yankees or, you know, whoever. It's generational. And here you have that whammy of pro sports are fairly new. Plus, the teams haven't been very good. Atlanta has one major professional championship with the Braves in 95. The Atlanta Chiefs won the old NASL back in 68 and drew like 12,000 people to the championship game. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we're talking about. That's a long time ago. <laughs> that's well, our two champions. So, <laughs> that's so, it. So uh, what do you expect? Uh, any news with Joseph Martinez on when he might be returning? I know it was about, I think, either six to eight weeks or four to six weeks, the, the, the injury that he did have. It was four to six weeks originally. And we're in the going into the sixth week now. And I, I don't think he's going to be back this week. He returned to training last week at the end of the week. He's doing a lot of fitness work, but I'd be surprised if he's on the field this weekend in Portland, I'm thinking they're targeting the next home game against Houston on the 20th. Well, one thing we uh, I don't I don't know if you know any details about this, but we've every time Joseph Martinez scores, we know that we are terrified of his terrible like the, the, just the stare down that he gives to uh, to the fans that he looks into all of our souls. <laughs> <laughs> Is what what has he meant? Uh, to, I know he's Venezuelan. I, has he does? I don't know. I don't think he speaks English much or very well. Uh how has he been? How has he been like sort of adapting to Atlanta? Or and how have just the fans? How do they feel about Joseph Martinez? Because they must love that uh, that bravado and confidence that he brings to the team. That's what the fans are loving about this team is that swagger. And it, it's it's not just Martinez. There's other guys too. But what you're seeing is Martinez, Almiron, Vishalba, Assad, Carmona, that clique of South American guys. They all hang out together. They're all real friendly together. They drink mate together all the time. And they show up at Hawks games. They've shown up at Braves games. They're going out and really starting to, to learn the city and then fall in love with what Atlanta is. And the fans are responding to that. You're starting to see fans now want to know more about 
these guys. And I think that's only going to continue as, as the team continues. It's just, it's an engaging team and you watch them play and you want to learn more and you want to watch them the next game because it's entertaining and it's entertaining in a very different way than NYC has been this year where they've been entertaining through a possession sense. Atlanta has been entertaining from that high press and high octane style. It's going to be incredible when, uh, when we find out that Assad, Villalba and Martinez just start a trap house together just to really, (laughs) (laughs) they they join Migos. (laughs) They're going to be the Spanish version of Migos. It's going to be great. The the argument here that that I've been talking to people on 92.9 about some of the different hosts who are learning soccer is Atlanta United's kind of becoming the heels of MLS in some ways. They're becoming the bad guys. And yeah. I, I think there's a lot of, you know, fan hatred towards Atlanta United because of the way they play, because of the money they're spending, because of the early success. And that's a great thing. That's a great thing for MLS. And it's a great thing for Atlanta because most of our teams, people either feel sorry for them or don't really care. Yeah, you know, indifference. It's just, yeah, it's indifference. The Hawks have been, you know, good. They made the Eastern Conference Finals a couple of years ago. Nobody really cared. The Falcons, people are kind of pulling for them they want them to get over that hump. Atlanta United, people don't like it all. And that's okay. That's a good thing. There's there's a feeling about it. There's an emotion about it. And it rallies Atlanta fans to get behind their team. How worried is the the players? And I, you may have to soft step this a bit, but uh, Mercedes is going to have turf. You're mm-hmm. playing on grass now. Tata Martino probably wants to play on grass. Joseph Martinez probably wants to play on grass. Assad probably wants to play on grass. I don't know anyone that wants to play on turf. Maybe Kenwin Jones wants to play on turf because the ball bounces higher and that's better for his forehead. But other than that, I mean, we don't want to see this team play on turf. We just don't. How, what's the fear? What's some of the preparation work? Uh, we know some of the wide receivers on the Falcons stepped on the pitch or on the new field and said, nope, and they're going to redo it. Um, what, can you give us a little insight into what's happening and what you think might change? Yeah, that was the rumor that the Falcons didn't like the original turf that was being brought in and it was changed. I, I've never heard if that's true or not, but that was one story that was out there. I've heard it like 48,000 times and I was in Atlanta for four days. <laughs> I think it's coming from the same, same person there, same people. <laughs> yeah. so, you know, word travels fast down here. You got to get ready for that. Yeah, even local uh, comics were like, oh, do you know about the field? Julio Jones stepped on it. And I was like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> The thing is, everybody knew coming in that it was going to be turf, and everybody thought that Atlanta United was going to start their season on turf. So it's it's been in preparation. The training facility has the turf that they will use at the Mercedes-Benz. They're already training on it some. I'm sure they're training on it this week going going out to Portland because it's the same turf that Portland has. So it's, it is what it is. I mean, in a perfect world, you don't have it. The best grass field is the best field you can be on, but... I don't know. Turf is just something I've gotten used to. I don't love it, but I love turf as opposed to a bad grass field every day. But is there is there a chance that some important matches go back to Bobby Dodd or maybe no, something? No, that's no, it. There's no there's no chance you guys are playing. Bobby Dodd seems like to be like a home for you guys. Bobby Dodd's kind of cool, and it's, it's great that it's available right now, but. You know, you have to work with Georgia Tech and Georgia Tech's football team, you know, has ownership over Bobby Dodd. So there were a lot of different rules and regulations and deals that had to go into that. Atlanta United's paying a lot of money to pay to play at Bobby Dodd right now. And that was so they didn't have a long road trip to start. And now that the stadium's been delayed again, you know, it's a good thing you have Bobby Dodd available. 
I don't see it in the long term because Bobby Dodd, you can only get about 70 yards wide on that field. You know, it's it's a it's a narrow field. It's not as narrow as Yankee Stadium, but it's narrow. Mercedes Benz will be bigger. Mercedes Benz, you control all of the revenue streams coming in and you're going to be able to draw more people. And that's the biggest thing right now is Atlanta's packing out Bobby Dodd for what they have available at 45, 46,000 per game. They'd be drawing more than that at the Benz right now. Now, I know that the whole Benz is going to be open. That's a little bit of around 70,000 fans. Do you expect that to be full? See, I think they're still figuring out how that's going to go in the long run because they've left season tickets open. They've left, you know, just ticket sales in general to see where they're going to fall at. They're over 30,000 for season tickets right now. The original configuration for Mercedes-Benz was going to seat 41-42, but I think they're going to start opening more sections in the top. And it's going to depend on demand. I think it'll be similar to Seattle in that you'll see some games that are open all the way and you have the potential to pack it out. And then you'll see some that are somewhere in a downsized capacity, whether it's right now, you know, I don't think you're going to see less than 46 where Bobby Dodd is. Maybe that sweet spot's in the 55 to 60,000 range, or maybe you just leave it open and see what happens. All right. So one last uh, thing that, you know, we wanted to cover, maybe two things. Uh, At this point, uh, Atlanta United and Minnesota United are even on points, which no one... And Minnesota has a game in hand. <laughs> no, I think Atlanta has a game in hand. No, Minnesota has a game in hand. You're wrong. You're wrong. They have uh, Minnesota's played 10 and Atlanta's played 9. So, oh, my bad. Um, but this, no one expected this. No one. Not after the first two <laughs> <Nope>. matches. <laughs> nope. But one thing that uh, I think led to this uh, is the the string of red cards that Atlanta was getting for a couple games that almost at some point it it felt like this conspiracy to uh, make sure Atlanta got a red card every single yeah. game. I, I don't know. But you guys also play like, I don't know, like a Slayer sound check. I mean, that's going <laughs> to happen, right? <laughs> yeah. Man, it has felt like that, that there's been this thing against Atlanta United. And, and part of it is this. I mean, they play on the edge. The way they press, the way they step into teams and the high tempo, they're going to be on the edge, and it's easy to step over that. The, red, the, the uh, suspension to Assad for this weekend, completely agree with. He led with the elbow. He he caught Lloyd Sam. I don't know how hard he caught him, but he caught him. You don't get bonus points for having bad aim with your elbow. The first red card to Assad, I'm not so sure on. It looked like, uh, I believe it was Nick Haglin from Toronto, was trying to step into him to cut off his run. Assad was trying to swing his arm over to get him out of the way. 50-50 call. I I wasn't hating the call, but I could see how that wouldn't be given, and I don't think the ref was going to give it until they played it on the video board at BMO Field. Um, The card to Leandro Gonzalez-Pierez I thought was terrible and completely cost Atlanta United points in Montreal. That one was awful. It was terrible. Mm -hmm. Awful, awful call all the way around. I have no idea where you come up with a red card in that situation. The penalty is is okay in my book. I agree. But no way that's that's a red card. That was terrible, and that cost them points because if they had been even strength with Montreal at that point, I think Atlanta wins that game by a goal or two. Is it a thing that has made the team even mildly self-conscious where like, oh, we got to we maybe we have to play a little bit more careful because, you know, maybe the, the the ref, you know, the ref, they clearly see the previous matches and are, you know, they keep people in mind of like, you know, who who might be, uh, uh, you know, another culprit for a red card. Is that a thing that has affected the team in their strategy or even their defensive strategy? I haven't seen it yet because they were just as aggressive 
Sunday in New York as they've been. I'll be curious to see Assad back on the field this week and see if his game changes now that he's had two red cards and this one was from the disciplinary committee post-match. Um, I think where I'm seeing it is they're getting more frustrated with the way calls go. And and the New York game in some spots was a prime example. It didn't affect the outcome in any way. New York clearly outplayed Atlanta. But the way the cards were handed out was was very interesting to me, especially Michael Parkhurst picking up a yellow for a pretty innocuous foul at midfield on Maxi Morales. But David Villa and Ethan White Max, both cleared guys out Max, on Atlanta counters. Max Morales is a child. That is a that is a young, <laughs> is a young, young boy. It's a young boy out there. Be I careful. think Parker sneezed and he fell over is what happened. <laughs> so. Yeah. Jeez. Oh, watching Max, when he jumps Max on Morales. another player's back to celebrate a goal, we're like, whose kid ran out there? <laughs> he is such a fun player to watch. <laughs> he though. really is. I, I love watching that guy. And he's he's such a, a player that's I think under the radar for a lot of people who follow MLS. And he's going to be a star. Yeah. I mean, you know, as a, as a fan of the, the club, we hope we get to keep him for a while. I think he just turned 31, but uh, really, really exciting. I guess uh, f- final question. Um, we have you on the phone. You've someone who's seen uh, this club sort of be built. Um, it's a two-parter. One is, is Bocanegra, should he be given all of the credit for this? We Someone had a stroke of genius. And of all the pieces that you guys have brought in, we're seeing now that depth might be somewhat of an issue. So those two questions, who gets all the credit and what else needs to be done? What other pieces needed you guys to carry out? What the potential could be for this club all right we'll start with the second one first um depth is an issue and especially at a couple spots right now it's been on the wing because of the injury to peterson and andrew carlton's absence i think that's a spot where atlanta needs to find some depth not a starter but somebody who can come in and not have a big drop off and to me that's going out and getting someone with speed so you can fit straight into this team because speed has been the primary characteristic that you're seeing in Atlanta United players across the board. So go out and get a speedy winger who can be a, a bench option, be a spot starter. You need that. I think striker, especially in the mold of Martinez is a bit of an issue. You have Kenwin Jones who plays a different style. Brandon Vasquez is kind of a hybrid and he's a young player still learning a um, little bit like Kenwin faster though. So maybe he can pick up some of the elements of Martinez. We'll have to see as he grows up, but the depth in those spots are the two critical needs for me. I think everywhere else I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with maybe an extra center back if, if needed, that would be the only other one, but looking at who gets the credit for this. I mean, if you're going really trying to put it on one person, you have to go all the way up to the top to Arthur blank who you know, we talked about Atlanta sports earlier and, and why things have, have worked here or maybe they haven't in other sports. He's the reason. It's Arthur Blank being the guy who is, you know, almost like the, the, the father figure in Atlanta. You know, when things go wrong in the city, when, you know, a, a large donation is needed for an art center or something like that, Arthur Blank's the guy who's going to step up. And he's done that consistently. He did it when he bought the Falcons and he made the Falcons go from a team who had never won back-to-back, you know, had back-to-back winning seasons to a team that was selling out the Georgia Dome and the hottest ticket in town, and now a team that's made it to a Super Bowl here recently. So he invested in the Mercedes-Benz, in this team, invested in a training center that is as good as any in the world, and invested in guys like Darren Neals and Carlos Bocanegra and Tata Martino, and he's given them everything they need to go do their jobs. And I don't think it's all Carlos, all Darren, or all Tata. 
But I think all of them working together to use those resources, they've put together such a great club and product right now. And we hope it can just continue to grow. Well, uh, just in case the, the, you know, if the Atlanta United make it to the MLS Cup, just make sure Arthur Blank stays, stays, in, the upstairs. Old, stays upstairs in the owner's box. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Him and the lady just stay upstairs Hang until up. you hear that final whistle. <laughs> Yeah, that one was uh, brutal. We don't like to talk about the Super Bowl too much down here right now, but uh, I oh. tried while I was down there, and boy, do you get some stares. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a sore spot for us. I'm sure. It Listen, is. we all thought you won. Um, I'm friends with a comic from uh, from Atlanta named Mike Albany. He's very funny. Um, he was. We were at the same Super Bowl party, and he was like, "Nope, not yet, not yet." And luckily, he said that because uh, <laughs> it didn't turn out the way he wanted. But I will say that I'm very, very impressed. Now, having been down there, you know, I went to uh, this burger place called the Varsity. Uh, terrible burger, absolutely disgusting, but um, all Blasphemy. over the place. Oh, God, no, it is, it is so bad. <laughs> it is beyond bad. But they have a little cayenne pepper that you could shake on your own fries, which is pretty cool. But uh, there's Atlanta United flag right there as soon as you walk in, right above the counter. It's, it's That was the first thing I saw because I was staying at a hotel a block away from it, and I was starving. And immediately you're shown that Atlanta cares about this team and, you know, talking to you and, and, and seeing what everyone is, uh, what everyone else is watching has been absolutely amazing. So thank you so much for taking the time to, uh, to talk to us, man. Yeah, no problem. And, and that's, you hit it on, hit on it right there. That's the thing is that Atlanta,